My guest on this week's episode of Suds and Search is Stefan Spencer. Stefan is the type of person who makes me feel lazy. He's an internationally recognized SEO expert, the host of two excellent podcasts. He's a serial entrepreneur and a professional speaker. He's the author of three books, Social E-Commerce, Google Power Search, and The Art of SEO, which is now in its third edition. The Art of SEO, which he co-authored with Eric Enga and Jesse Stricciola, is one of the most important books ever written about SEO. I'll start our conversation talking about the art of SEO and the challenges that come from writing about an ever-changing field like SEO. Stefan has been interested in upsetting the typical agency fee model for years now. Generally, agencies are paid a retainer fee to perform services. Whether they perform those services well or poorly, the retainer stays the same. Stefan is interested in a pay-for-performance model for some services like link building. I'll talk to him about pay-for-performance vis-a-vis the retainer model in this episode. After more than two decades in the industry, Stefan has a really interesting perspective on work, family life, and happiness. On his podcast, Get Yourself Optimized, Stefan talks to experts in a range of fields, but overall the show is about living a better life. I'll spend a little bit of our conversation talking to Stefan about the show and some of the best advice he's been given. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Stefan Spencer. We'll talk about why he created a page on his site to describe businesses he doesn't want to work with. I'll chat a little bit about his unique approach to prioritization and work in life. And I'll spend a little time talking about his sabbatical from agency life and travels around the world. Stephen Spencer, welcome to Sudden Search. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Well, I have a lot to talk to you about. You're a very busy guy. I think the first thing I want to talk to you about is writing an SEO book. This is famously hard. The industry changes a lot. Like you come out with a book and a few months later, Google has a new three letter acronym for us to deal with. So kind of walk me through how difficult was it writing a book about a topic like SEO that changes frequently? Yeah. Well, it's not just one book. It's three it's books three. I'm four because yeah, each edition is a huge undertaking. It takes, I don't know, a year to two to do an update. And uh, we're in the midst of one right now going from the third to the fourth edition. And yeah, it's constantly moving. So uh, going through and making changes and additions and, and removals to updating screenshots because the <laughs> screenshots we took, you know, some tool got rebranded, uh, big update to, uh, to something. Yeah, it's a big pain. It's a big pain. I can imagine. So the, the, the trick is coming out with more additions and that means you're even more busy. So here's the other thing that I, I was thinking about with you is at least two of the books, The Art of SEO and Social E-Commerce, there are collaborators on these books. So you're not the only person in this. The Art of SEO is like one of the most famous books uh, there is about SEO and luminaries like Eric Engel is on there too. Uh, I, I wonder, This sounds tricky to me because I, I don't know about you, but like here at Search Lab, we will have debates about little things within SEO. Uh, reasonable minds can disagree on these things. You know, this is a collaboration, though, but how did you like working with other people on a book? Working with other authors to get a book across the finish line seems like it could be could be tricky. It is tricky. I mean, everybody has their own schedules and priorities, deadlines, and so forth. And, uh, yeah, it's just you, you got to juggle. But overall, it's a it's a great thing to have a collaborator who uh, you know, is gifted and really uh, educated in in the topic space, and thus you don't have to write a thousand page book all on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I can't even imagine how long it would take 
to write the thousand page book by myself. Like, yeah, I can't imagine. It's part of the power of the book too, is the names who are on the front cover give it so much credibility. So I love that as well. I, you know, I said at the beginning, you're the kind of person who makes me feel lazy. You've got two podcasts, you write books, speak at conferences, you run an agency. Um, you know, I feel like you could write a book. Maybe your next book could be about prioritization, how to accomplish a lot in one day. How do you pack so much into one day? What's a, what's a typical day in the like for in the in the life of Stephen Spencer like? Yeah. Well, before I answer that, let's just circle back on what you just said about uh, for your next book, writing one about productivity. Well, ironically, or maybe not ironically, it's not an exact uh, productivity book, but it is a personal development book. And wow, I'm solo okay. writing that one. It's called it's called Living in a Friendly Universe, A Skeptic's Guide to the Unseen World, which is pretty out there for an SEO geek to be writing about, uh, you know, spirituality and and uh, woo woo topics. But uh, that's <laughs> where we're at. I've got a I've got a first draft already done. I'm hoping to get published by Hay House or St. Martin's Press or New Worlds. You know, one of those woo-woo author uh, uh, publishing houses, you know, and, and uh, hopefully change millions of people's lives. So we'll see. Is there like a thesis? Do you have a, do you have a subtitle? What are, what are some of the main topics in the new book? Yeah. So the or subtitle to... is a skeptics, a skeptics guide to the unseen world. So the, the, just the title is living in a friendly universe. I was a skeptic and an, almost atheist and agnostic for my first 42 years of life. And when I had my first spiritual awakening in India in 2012, I was age 42 and everything changed. All these miracles started showing up in my life. Things that were beyond a doubt, kind of uh, non-coincidence coincidences. Yeah. And then I had a, another level of spiritual awakening happen uh, last year, January 22nd of last year. And so, yeah, that's my impetus for writing a book. It's not just about productivity. It's about working on the right things, assuming that there's a purpose to this life rather than just build empires and make lots of money because that's not the point. And so now that I kind of see the matrix, <laughs> I wanted to share that <laughs> with others in, in a, a book form. Awesome. Do you, are you a, are you a travel uh, junkie? I, I saw something you moved to New Zealand and you have a spiritual awakening in India. Uh, how, how much is travel part of your life? Uh, it's it's been a lot. I mean, prior prior to the pandemic, of course. But uh, yeah, right. even during the pandemic, I spent nine months living in Tel Aviv. Uh, my wife is Israeli, so uh, you know there were reasons beyond just doing something uh, cool and exotic. It was an incredible. Uh, time spent there, but now we're we're living in Miami, and uh, yeah, we would travel a lot. Like I don't know how many countries I've been to, at least thirty or thirty-five, I think. Um, but that's not how you get a spiritual awakening. <laughs> like it's no, just, no. Uh, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, I love travel. I love uh, culture. I love experiencing new things. I love being outside my comfort zone. So travel definitely fits with all that. Awesome. Um, and then I, just one more uh, setting the table question about the podcast. So I mentioned uh, just how, how your productivity and everything else, but 
Uh, and I also mentioned you have two podcasts. So the obvious question is, why two podcasts? Is there a different theme or a different format to one versus the other? Um, you're making us yeah. look bad. Let's yeah. just have one podcast a week. This is this is tough to keep up with you. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. And they're each an hour. So, yeah, I'm not a slacker. I'm not a slacker. Anyway, so here, here's here's the impetus or like the, uh, the, uh, the logic behind it. I wanted to have a marketing show that wasn't just about SEO because that's pretty pigeonholed into one topic space. I love SEO, but I also love other aspects of marketing, everything from uh, analytics, e-commerce, to uh, conversion optimization, et cetera, et cetera. So that's marketing speak. <clears throat> the other podcast sounds like an SEO podcast by its name, Get Yourself Optimized, but mm -hmm, it's not. Right. It's a personal development podcast. It's about everything that will take your life to the next level. Okay. And that includes relationships, um, spirituality, uh, mindsets, biohacking, diet, um, exercise, business. Yep. I love it. All right. Well, fascinating. Uh, fascinating to finally get to talk to you. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about agency life and your agency net concepts. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it's, I did a little uh, research on you. It looks, it sounds like you did a sabbatical from agency life for a little bit and then returned to it. And there might be a story there. I, I, I'm curious what exactly happened and why you decided to come back to this crazy ass life that we live. Yeah, that was, um, that was a number of years ago, but I took a six, well, five-ish month sabbatical, not quite six months. But uh, during that time, I didn't even check email. I was off the grid. I was living in New Zealand at the time, so it was a pretty nice lifestyle, being on a, on a bay, <laughs> Corsair Bay in, uh, in the South Island. Uh, had beautiful views of the bay from our house. Anyway, so that was just to recharge and... Uh, I was experiencing burnout at that time. I, wow. I didn't know how to self-regulate in terms of uh, my workaholism. And that is not a badge of honor, by the way. Being a workaholic is an addiction. Just like alcoholism or anything else, it is not healthy. It's not good for the people you love. And uh, yeah, I would travel as well. So I would be either physically unavailable or emotionally unavailable most of the time to my family, to my, uh, my grown kids who are, uh, you know, teenagers and, and younger at that time. And, uh, yeah, and it did not, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So I don't recommend being a workaholic or putting in, uh, lots of hours because you lose the plot. I mean, there is a point to this experience of life that's, you know, being in an earth school, right? And it's not to put in the hours and uh, uh, make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Did, did you find the sabbatical did the trick? Do you still slip into those uh, burnout habits? What, what, what did you learn that uh, a lot of people who, who are watching this show will be in agency life? Uh, burnout, workaholism, these are common themes. It, it, for SEOs, it's, there's never enough. You can, you can always do more to optimize a website, right? There's never a, a, a time where it's done. Uh, what, what did that experience teach you? To slow down, 
to appreciate every day and to be more present. Yeah, all those things were uh, kind of a, it was a bit of a reset for me, but it's, it's an ongoing journey. Like I actually have a bracelet. I don't, I'm not wearing it at the moment, but I was wearing it yesterday that actually says 100% presence on it. So even a decade later after my sabbatical, more than a decade now later, I still need to remind myself to be 100% present and not be uh, distracted or doing two things at once. This idea of being a multitasker is a fallacy. You're you're task switching. You do not uh, multitask. You task switch. Your brain cannot do two things at once. So that's not good. If you're trying to be present at home in the living room and you're also doing email uh, with the office at the same time or with your clients, that's not good. All right. So it's an it's an ongoing journey. It's ongoing learning, and uh, you know that's part of part of my learning is to be more present, and but also to be more uh, intentional and and mindful about where I put my attention. So it's not just being 100% present on the wrong things, like choose the right things to be present on. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, The One Thing. It's by Gary Keller, founder of Keller Williams Real Estate. Yeah. So what's that one thing? What's the one thing that will make all the other stuff that you're working on either obsolete or irrelevant or a lot easier and and, uh, focus on those things? You know, there's the 80-20 rule, the, the Pareto principle. But the thing about... The Pareto principle that most people don't know is that it's fractal. So instead of working on the 20% that generates 80% of the results, how about working on the 5% that generates 54% of the results? Because the 80-20 rule of the 80-20 rule yields 5% of of activities to generate 54% of the results. Okay. So it sounds like you've been through through an experience, and I certainly... um, I heard some things that could could help me in terms of to help us in terms of our personal life and professional life, a little work life balance. I wonder if you found some of these lessons, the eighty twenty rule that you just mentioned, the eighty twenty rule of the eighty twenty rule. I bet they make you better at, at at business too. I don't think multitasking is good for our work. I don't think it makes you a, a better SEO to be able to multitask. But you're probably not, I bet I'm probably not as good at it as I think I am. Um, and uh, maybe the work product improves as well. Does that sound uh, sound reasonable? Yeah, yeah. And uh, here's something that I think is absolutely essential to good um, business, to good uh, to be effective in in life, in business, and an agency. To work on being more intuitive. Right, we're so logical, and uh, in our beta brainwave states all day long because that's how we're kind of wired to be and that's how uh, we're uh, socially kind of uh, forced into that box. But it's in alpha brainwave state that you get into flow and then you accomplish a a week's worth of work and productivity Mm -hmm. in a day. And so being intuitive and being kind of in, in a in the zone is essential. I I, I don't see how you could be competitive without it. So when I say intuitive, I mean intuition equals teaching from within. 
So teaching from within, I, I learned that that definition from a book I just listened to. It was free on YouTube. It's called Game of Life and How to Play It. It's actually from 1925, and it wow. is fantastic. I, I I just kind of stumbled upon it, but nothing's random. So when I found that uh, just as a suggested video one one day, and I clicked on it just by chance to to have a listen. It was really captivating, and uh, yeah. So intuition is teaching from within. Learn that from that that uh, audio book. But here's where it gets even more interesting. So let's say that now I'm not going to get uh, all religious or anything, but let's say that you believe there's a higher power or there's a point to this experience of life. Well, intuition isn't just your gut instinct, according to a lot of sources I've been reading about intuition. It's actually your higher self or your the Holy Spirit or your guides or your um, your ancestors, loved ones, right? Huh. It's it's your teachers, essentially, your your spiritual support team whispering into your consciousness. So if you go against your intuition, I pretty much guarantee it's going to lead to pain. That's mm. It's not going to be good, right? So I'm sure you've mm. probably gone against your intuition before. I have too, and mm. it's not been good. Like, oh, I really shouldn't go... Uh, you know, on this uh, in this on this ride or whatever, and then they crash the car and you get hurt, right? Something happens where it's like, I should have listened to my gut, but it wasn't your gut; it was your guidance. So that's something I would highly, highly recommend uh, developing. Listen more to your intuition and uh, do something with it. Don't just say, "Oh, that was an interesting uh, bit of advice." I felt like I should turn right inst instead of turning left today on my normal route to work. And oh, there we go. I did the same thing I always do. I ignored my intuition, and now I'm stuck in two hours of traffic because of some big car crash. Okay, right. So just tap in and trust that you're being guided. That this isn't all just random. That's my advice. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that I thought were uh, interesting about you guys. And one of the things is you have a page on your website that tells you uh, lists people, businesses, concepts that you're not a fit for. You basically tell people like if you're if you're in these categories, uh, we don't want to work with you. And so I think this is smart, and there may be even be a marketing lesson in there. Uh, kind of talk me through this page a little bit. Who who isn't a good fit for you guys, and why did you decide to put that information on your website in the first place? <laughs> yeah. So that's because I interviewed Marcus Sheridan on my podcast, uh, Marketing Speak, a number of years okay. ago, and that was such a fantastic interview, and that was one of his bits of advice, is have a who or not a fit for page. And the, the, uh, the reasoning for that is it's kind of reverse psychology. If you say, well, we're a fit for these different ki kinds of industries and these uh, types of, of individuals and so forth, you don't get that exclusivity, but if we're not a fit for those people who are the tire kickers and 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 those who are looking for the cheapest deal, uh, or who are ultra price sensitive, or whatever the the criteria are that you're delineating out on your who we're not a fit for page, and they're like, no, 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 
I actually would be a fit. No, you know, it's like <laughs> they're 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 trying to convince you that they would be a fit, even though they might, you know, not uh, be an obvious fit based on your criteria. So that that's pretty clever, and it also shows that you are exclusive in in that you don't just work with everybody and anybody. You're not you're not the uh, uh, yeah it, it, when when all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail and and you're not positioning yourself like that you're saying no these are the kinds of clients that are the right kinds of clients and these are the kinds of clients that are not the right kinds of clients for me and for our agency so that I think is really good Marcus also recommended a couple other really great tips from that uh, ep that episode one is to have a problems we solve page. Yeah, you have one of those. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So that some something else that I added uh, after interviewing him. What a great uh, suggestion. And then another is to have an FAQs page that isn't just like these are questions about SEO. These are questions about internet marketing. These are the questions that you might have that will sp stop you or or potentially. Uh, block you from making a buying decision to hire this agency to hire us so those would include things like I can't find a price list on your website this is very frustrating what are your prices how much does it co cost to work with you at least address it with some sort of answer if you're not gonna share your prices on your website tell them why you're not doing that tell them at least maybe some ranges all right if, if, if you're budget is two thousand dollars for the year we're not going to be a fit right so that's for the what we're who we're not a fit for page but also that's for the faqs page because you'll get the people with no budget otherwise and sure. the people who have budget because you didn't address their question when they came to the site of how much does it cost to hire you and your agency they don't see any answer and then they get frustrated and they never contact you so those are some great tips. Oh, and then there was something else I learned from Marcus in a follow-up conversation, and that was have an 80-20 video. And that's like an 80% of the questions that you normally get in, in sales conversations with prospects. Address all 80% of those. You're not going to hit 100% because you would have an hour-long or two-hour-long video, but hit the big 80% kind of uh, major ones. And then you'll have uh, hopefully somebody kind of pre-suaded when they are um, on a sales call with you that they'll have watched that video, especially if you push them to do that. You know, it's just when they book the call, say, please watch this 10 minute video before we have the call. I think it's gonna be really help for you to ask um, higher quality questions and for me to give you higher quality answers in the time that we're gonna have know for whenever the call is booked so that 80 20 video is another great idea from marcus sheridan marcus sheridan i'm gonna have to write this down and this could be a, a podcast guest in the future for us that would that's that's a lot of takeaways um <laughs> one other thing that's uh i don't know it seems like you're interested in I, I, correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like you're interested in a pay for pay for per performance model for agencies so most agencies I know of charge some sort of a retainer fee. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe people charge per hour like an attorney where you could have different amounts every month, but you're going to get charged uh, uh, by the hour. 
I've seen it where it's more of a project fee with a beginning and an end date. Um, you know, so some more daring agencies charge for performance. Um, it seems like you're kind of interested in this concept, and I, I saw on your website paid for you know link building paid for performance. Um, I'm less interested in specifically how you do pay for pay for performance on link building, and more about the concept generally. How how does it work? Um, and am I, am I first of all am I correct in, in uh, assuming that you're interested in this concept, and how does it work in practice? Yep. I started doing it back in 2003 with SEO services. Wow. Yes. And the way we did it is I invented a SaaS platform for SEO back then. It was uh, based on reverse proxy. So we had a proxy uh, server intermediary step. And, and that middleware step allowed us to kind of drop in SEO goodness into the website without having to do major invasive surgery to the e-commerce platform or the CMS. And back in the day, that was very difficult and costly to go in and change platforms like Blue Martini. You couldn't even really do it. So making them search engine friendly back then was very, very difficult. And this did an end run around all of that. The platform was called Gravity Stream. And uh, it was it actually generated the majority of our revenue until we sold the company and the technology in 2010. So that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. We had clients that were paying, some were paying seven figures a year in uh, pay for performance, click revenue. So we were charging on a cost per click basis for SEO. And uh, yeah, that was, that was really ahead, ahead of the curve. And so when they were being charged, let's say 10 cents a click for SEO, um, uh, for organic traffic, and then they were comparing that with the average of maybe 50 or 60 cents per click for their paid search campaigns, or like we want more and more, as much traffic as we can possibly buy from Gravity Stream. That was that was pretty sweet, and so we we did that for seven years, and I sold that company and the technology that went with it. I think that was a big reason why they bought the company was because of that platform. Um, but then, you know, when you're just an SEO consultancy and you don't have technology, can you still do pay for performance? Because the client wants you to have skin in the game, and if you uh, you, you structure it right when you perform, you will get a big payday. Big windfall, right? Yeah. So from a a link building standpoint, this is one of the most frustrating areas of SEO for a a client because they're essentially hiring a digital PR firm, or so they think, and then they're getting hopefully some value from that. But just like a PR firm, they can come back empty-handed and say, you know what? I put out a lot of pitches. You know, like a PR firm. I hired PR firms uh, in the past for my agency. And there were plenty of months where it was lean pickings or nothing. They, they, they got me nothing. And I paid <laughs> five grand or ten grand and nothing. So just because they schmooze and, you know, take uh, some journalist out for drinks or whatever doesn't mean that you're getting any value from that and so that's oftentimes how a client sees your link building 
And if you charge on a per link basis instead of on a just a retainer with uh, you know hours, then there's the quality question. Well, what kind yeah. of links am I even getting? Right. So per pay for performance isn't about number of links. It's about the quality of those links. So then you take into account things like uh, DR, domain rating, and Ahrefs. You take into account maybe trust flow from Majestic uh, or um, LRT trust from uh, linkresearchtools.com and maybe the estimated traffic of that site that's linking, you know, some a few different metrics. And based on that, you come up with a price. And then that goes against your monthly retainer. So you get paid in advance, your normal monthly re retainer, but then you work against that monthly retainer, charged per link times this uh, formula to come up with a, a uh, cost for the quality of the link. And you say, well, I only got you five links this month, but that's because these are phenomenal links. Like we've, we've gotten links, um, you know, one, one link that we got as a just off the top of my head example. Uh, this one was for my wife for her uh, uh, website uh, or orionsmethod.com. She got a link from askmen.com. Okay. Pretty darn cool when you look at the at the metrics for that, and it's like an eighty something uh, DR and uh, really high trust flow. I don't remember what the trust flow was, but it was it was really an impressive site from a link building standpoint. And she got a not just a a, a link to uh, her site, but also she was quoted. Hmm. Orion Tamai life coach and relationship expert had this to say, blah, 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 blah. And it included a link to her site when her website Orion's method was mentioned. So that is digital PR. That's not just link building. And uh, if the client pays for performance on that, everybody's happy because you're getting paid more than you normally would. And mm -hmm. they're getting results and they're happy to pay to write that check out because they're paying for the results, not just for the hours. I love it. And who's who's stopping this from being the norm? Is this, is this on the agency side that that agencies don't want to take the risk that they could they could get a goose egg in a month or something like that? Or is this is a risk on the the client side because yeah, I, I don't know what they're they're they're, they're uh, they maybe would be concerned about the quality, like you mentioned, or they, I'm not sure. Where, where does it? Why isn't this catching on more? I guess is my question. Well, it is a risk. It's a risk to the agency. If they don't deliver the goods, then they don't get paid. So that's that's where it's coming from. Okay. Right, and especially during a pandemic when people get furloughed, uh, editorial managers, webmasters, journalists. They end up disappearing, ghosting you, and then you have to start all over again. Well, that link that we got secured and uh, was going to publish next month, now the website is offline or the editorial manager has been you know, let go, so we got to start all over again. That's There's a cost, and, and you got to wear it. So, yeah, yeah that, may be, that may be why. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, well Stefan, this has been a, a great conversation. I think 
you're one of the really unique guests we've had on here, uh, just your perspective. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or your agency or learn more about your books or your podcast or anything like that, uh, tell everyone how they should connect with you. Yep. Well, uh, the agency netconcepts.com is the website. The uh, podcasts are marketingspeak.com and getyourselfoptimized.com. And my personal site, which also has a lot of great free SEO uh, tips and downloads and videos and so forth, lots of great trainings and webinars, that's at stephanspencer.com. And I'll, I'll, I'll totally vouch for that. I think it's a, it's a great website and lots of great resources there. Stefan, uh, you're, you're, you're a very busy guy. You, you're also a fun guy to have a beer with. I, I appreciate you doing this. And for yeah, well, this else, time it wasn't a beer. It was a hot yeah. uh, ginger tea because I've got this uh, sore throat that I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> I, I hope you're able to kick it. Yeah, I, I don't think this would help. So, um, yeah, for, for everyone else, we'll be back next week with another episode of Suds and Search. Stefan, I'm going to give you a virtual cheers for now, and we'll see you guys again next week.